You are listening to the Wisdom Factory podcast. Heidi Hörnlein and Mark Davenport present to you high-level conversations with their show guests who share their knowledge and wisdom and inspire us to wake up and to grow up. This podcast is sponsored by the Italian non-profit cultural association Il Paradiso Integrale. Find out more at paradisointegrale.com. Today, our guest is Dr. Tom Habib, clinical psychologist and couples therapist in California. He is researching new ways in which intimate couples can become partners in self-development and in growing deeply into we spaces. In his presentation, he is referring to visual material which you can see and download at http colon slash slash bid dot ly slash tom big letter t o m habib h a b i b while t and h of tom and habib are big letters well hello everybody uh, we're online today from Paradiso Integrale here in rural Umbria in Italy. We're just north of Rome. I'm Mark Davenport. And, and I'm Heidi Hörnlein, yeah. or also Adelheid Hörnlein, that would be my official birth name. Yeah. Um, well, this video is part of our Conversations That Matter series that we've been doing for some time now. And you can find out more about that on our website thewisdomfactory.net. But now to our guest, Dr. Tom Habib, PhD. So Tom is a clinical psychologist working from his practice in San Juan Capistrano in Southern California. And he's also active in the San Diego area integral community. And he has a special interest in sustaining we spaces, of finding containers that promote the we spaces. And he's found some interesting differences depending upon whether the people involved are intimate lovers or not. And that's something of interest to Heidi and I because we are intimate lovers. Yes. <laughs> and I suspect it's of interest to others regardless of the exact nature of their relationships. So our conversation today, I should say, presupposes some understanding of levels of development, especially as expressed in integral terms. Mm -hmm. But just be forewarned so that we, we trust that we won't get bogged down in too much technical talk. About yeah, that. and if somebody or anybody wants to learn a little bit about integral theory, you can go to many places, but also to our a web page and to our YouTube channel, we have some videos which are talking about integral and which are giving you an introduction. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Tom, you wrote a tantalizing line in your in the intro uh, that you about what you wanted to talk about today, and I'm quoting here: "Who's in the room matters when a group of seekers is attempting." to open up into a collective experience many evolutionary thinkers have found. This we space becomes much more challenging for an intimate couple than it is for non-lovers. And that sounds kind of counterintuitive at first view, 
you know? So, yeah, because we think we are intimate and yeah, we have a reason. Yeah, we're already, and, yeah. you know, we already do that stuff. And yeah. What? Yeah. But you, you what, go ahead. That means it needs explaining. Well, you did your homework, Mark. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> so that's true. At San Diego Integral, we've been experimenting with a process called Focus Integral Group Discussions. And of course, most of the relationships there aren't intimate. Mm -hmm. But it's really been helping me flesh out, you know, what are the aspects of each individual in order to be able to participate effectively, and not to feel overexposed, not to retreat in that moment when it finally coheres and develops. And my experience doing a lot of couples therapy, I've found that it's much more difficult for a couple uh, to do it also. That even an eye exercise, like if I ask a couple that have been fighting uh, quite a bit, can you look at each other for one minute and don't look away and you can't smile? You can see them viscerally react to that moment of don't make me do that. I don't want to do it. And it's because of the accumulation of previous wounds and you know failed connections. Many times they don't have a developmental perspective of their own relationship that they can't even be there in that moment for one minute. So indeed, I'm finding that as difficult it is for a group of people, even integrally informed people, to show up in a collective, it's even more of a challenge uh, for the intimate couple. Uh, yeah, I remember when the first time I did this exercise, it's many, many years ago, and it was really hard to look into the eyes of another person and keep looking. You know, it was like, oh, you want to, to, to go. Then uh, the experience is when you are in a big in a group now with this experience just, you know, getting normal. And then you can have these openings and you feel in a wee space, but you know, Tomorrow you are somewhere else. While in a couple, me, yeah. tomorrow <laughs> you are not somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> right. That's exactly what happens. So I have three assumptions on this uh, and points I want to make. The first one is a lot of our colleagues in the integral community probably find themselves in first-tier relationships mm -hmm. because even though they have the capacity to move to more subtle uh, forms of state experiences, perhaps they're married to a spouse that can't quite sustain that. So I think it's kind of common in our community. The second one is, as we're saying, that in the intimate relationships, we're going to find all the blocks and obstructions that prevent us from going there because it is such a much more complicated relationship. And then the third one is that the blocks are going to be revealed specifically, and we'll get to them later on when we talk about it. But early on, I want to get right to how to we do this in order for people to get a sense of what we're talking about. Because as they envision entering this process, I think they'll feel it in their relationship. And then we can go back and talk about early on, how do you prepare your spouse, and then what it takes individually, what you have to have accomplished individually in order to really do this. Exactly, because I think often in integral community, my experience is that people are able to think in integral terms, but when it comes to really personal <laughs> things, uh, 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 well, there is isn't, not... Isn't integral all about thinking? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be. You know, when it goes about emotion and I'm recognizing the own patterns, mm. I find that not very many people want to go there. So, I think that's really true, Heidi. I mean, any of us that are going to bear through integral theory and learn all the nuances of it, we're going to have an intellectual preference. But we've all had the experience of running into people that they just resonate and they communicate at a, a much more visible, transparent level. And they don't even know about integral. They just show up mm-hmm. in a full availability. And what a delight they are to run into. Oh, they piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do all the work. <laughs> so if I can move on, I want to start with a quote by Rumi. Go ahead. Yeah. Rumi, the 13th century Persian poet, seemed to understand some of the dynamics in the relationship we've already touched upon. And he said, your task is not to seek love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Amazing. 800 years later, we are beginning to figure out, you know, what those things are. And like I said, we'll get to those at the latter end. But I wanted to get to right away of how do we actually do this? What's the methodology in the lower right? Sometimes I think in the integral community, we love that upper left and lower left experience, both individually and collectively. But in order to actually understand the mechanics of it, the how-to to do it, I don't think we always articulate that out real well. So to move on and show that real quick. In the meantime, while you are looking for this, I want to say upper left and lower right, that means the quadrant of reality. Uh, Upper left means the individual and uh, individual internal Mm -hmm. and lower right, for instance, means collective external. So here we are in the couple lines of development. Yes. So this couple line is on the wisdom factory. There's two different recordings, one a brief one from the European conference, the other one more of an hour treatment that Heidi, Mark, and I did. And it starts from the bottom here, the safety and attraction. And we move through the role stage. The beauty of the safety and attraction is when we first fall in love, all the intensity, the chemistry. But it's based more upon sensation and sexual experience than it is at the first love where it's much more uh, based on understanding and empathy. Most people never get out of the role stage. What gets you into the role stage is reality. When when your spouse has irritation and she's non-communicative, you know, you struggle about different uh, tasks you're going to do, you're going to get out of safety and attraction and be in roles where you try to lay down the patterns. Uh, most people that come to see me are at the role stage. And if I get them at the relational stage, we call it a day and I'm done with their therapy. <laughs> but in the integral community, notice the green band running through the relational stage that came online in the 60s, just like in Spiral Dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so did the relational stage. In the integral community, we have a lot of relationships that have strong relational capabilities. And today we're going to be talking about How do we actually get into first love? And part of the reason I call it first love is we're not in love with the projection. We're actually in love with the person we're with because we can feel them at an empathic level 
that we can sustain that state experience. We're not down at safety and attraction. We're obsessed with the fantasy of being in love. I always tell people, you can imagine love at a far greater rate than you can actually realize it. <laughs> and we're really talking about how we cope with the ideal there, aren't we? The ideal, by definition, is always a beacon that provides direction in our life, but it must not contaminate contentment. And so that's some of the struggle in getting into the first love. Is no longer are we you know, believing all those romantic movies that stop at safety and attraction because they don't know where to go. They, uh, and most people don't know where to go. That as a couple, there's a developmental line much as there are. So today we're going to talk about how to get from relational to first love. And I'm beginning to get some preliminary evidence that it's going to benefit a lot of people, not even uh, people that are uh, familiar with integral theory, that the practice is clear enough that it can work for most people. Great. Yeah. All right. Can I move on? Yeah, I would still go a little bit and explain what the roles is. You can see it on the um, on this card, but who is maybe only listening? The roles is clear, no? That we take over the father role, mother role, wife and husband and so on. And then in the next stage, which you call relational, what is then the difference? And you can explain it again and to first love again. So that we have it also in in words and not only on the on the chart yeah mm -hmm. so in the relational stage what's happening is they have all their roles down where they can give and take one can lead the other one can follow depending upon the skill level they can problem solve they've worked out all the nuances of getting along in an intimate relationship and they don't catastrophize. Everything isn't an absolute catastrophe in a battle for power, separation. They've got a nice rhythm going. But the problem is they haven't really clicked into first love. You know, it's more functional and they're still deluded by the early fantasy that other people get to stay at, get to stay at safety and security. Mm -hmm. And that they might have married the other person, wrong person. That's the fantasy that until you get the first love, you haven't gotten rid of yet. Mm -hmm. So the relational relationship in many times works. Like I say, many times if I get a couple there, therapy stops because they don't really have, or a lot of us haven't understood how to get them to first love. So that's been the fun for me is trying to invoke these state experiences in couples that have that nice solid platform. And it does lay breadcrumbs for them that there's a deeper experience to be had that we'll get into as we go along. Mm -hmm. So in the relational stage, what's happening is they have all their roles down where um, they can give and take. One can lead, the other one can follow depending upon the skill level. They can problem solve. They've worked out all the nuances of getting along in an intimate relationship. And they don't catastrophize. Everything isn't an absolute catastrophe in a battle for power, separation. They've got a nice rhythm going. But the problem is they haven't really clicked into first love. You know, it, it, it's, it's more functional 
and they're still deluded by the early fantasy that other people uh, get to stay at uh, other people get to stay at safety and security, mm-hmm. and that they might have married the other person, wrong person. That's the fantasy that until you get the first love, you haven't gotten rid of yet. Mm-hmm. So the relational relationship in many times works. Like I say, many times if I get a couple there, therapy stops because they don't really have, or a lot of us haven't understood how to get them to first love. So that's been the fun for me is trying to invoke these state experiences in couples that have that nice solid platform. And it does lay breadcrumbs for them that there's a deeper experience to be had that we'll get into as we go along. That sounds good. That's good. good. And uh, it'd be great to know how you entice them to move to that. Them and us. (laughs) Oh, we don't don't do that. (laughs) You're one of my experimental couples. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're happily guinea pigs. No problem. So this is how we do it. So the goal is to develop the intimate we space. And how we're going to do it is by prolonging moments in the method of resonance and shared feeling. And the shared feeling is going to come from an external source initially in order to create the what some people talk metaphysically about the vibrational field that we're trying to internalize. So the how is we find moments that are poignant, that have resonance, and I decide ahead of time with my partner that I'm going to hold eye contact during those moments for 10 to 30 seconds. And we're looking for those moments, those emotionally laden moments uh, that we can experience together. Perhaps when we're watching a movie, uh, listening or dancing to music that are f- filled with Joy, love, intimacy, sexual intimacy, sadness, change, loss, separation, transition. There's so many moments of those life that we feel deeply into. Anger. Uh, anger. Anger. Well, anger. <laughs> no, 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 the wrong, wrong end of the spectrum. Sorry. No, I think um, if I interrupt you, uh, when I'm angry with you, I think it would be good when we could look into our eyes in that moment instead of me staying in the in the anger. What would you say? Well, I would be a little afraid. That's an interesting concept idea. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> Working on anger, and for most couples, given how quick it deteriorates. I mean, sometimes one of the ways, believe it or not, I create a safe environment for couples is I drop into my blue levels and I won't let them battle because then it's unsafe. Mm -hmm. So I get my chair and whip and threaten to put somebody in the waiting room if they can't control themselves because it gets very serious uh, among couples. So anger, I'm going to have to think about. Although you raise a very interesting discussion there. Yeah, you know, it's not that I uh, whip the uh, kick him or something, but when it's something he's forgotten again and something like this, and I get angry and I express it and I'm really sure that it is in first tier expression, you know, really (laughs) blaming. So instead of him getting then uh, angry, we could, oh, you can also get angry, but when we notice it and we do notice it, that we could uh, exercise this thing. 
Well, okay. but we didn't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I really need to think that. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very interesting idea in terms of this experience. Yeah. So here are the instructions. And number one and two is really where couples need to do the entry point. It's probably going to take six months to really develop it before we go on to the, the, the remaining uh, five of them. So here it is. Uh, we look into each other's uh, eyes with long eye contact for 10 to 30 seconds. And once we stabilize that moment and we calm down all the upper right, the visceral, the bodily experiences, so we can relax, relax into it, we breathe into that moment. You know, we soften our eyes in order to really feel it with them. You know, we feel them resonating, which is getting into number two, we feel beyond our own feelings and into the resonating field between, between us in that moment. And you can see by doing this over and over again, where, um, you know, we're conscious of that moment, trying to develop that connection. You know, it's not something idealized. It, it's something that an experience we're having between us, even though it's externally derived. And I'm not sure if I said enough about that. So one of the easiest ways to do it is for couples that have children. And, you know, our experiences with our children, they have to be hardwired. You know, I remember asking a colleague, do we ever stop worrying about them? <laughs> and probably not, because it, it probably, you know, is built into, you know, our survival instincts and everything. But it's easy source in order to get those poignant feelings so some moment where the, the child's struggling and perhaps they have triumph and that mixture of joy and sadness and invokes, and it, that is so right to develop that resonance with. So we're holding that and we're, or we're you know, witnessing that moment together, calming down the viscera, trusting each other in that moment, and then trying to uh, feel the, the resonance between us. So that's why we're doing the external sources initially as a way of developing those pathways emotionally between us. Mm -hmm. So make sense? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. So to move on in this and to, to get to the next steps, and remember one to two is probably going to take six months of practice mm -hmm. in doing it. Because there's going to be moments, you know, you only do it for 10 seconds and you look away. Other times you're going to really hang in there for the 30 seconds. I mean, 30 seconds is a long time. I know we've done in uh, Buddhist present seminars I've attended, I've done up to an hour with Christine. And wow. a lot of people can't handle that. But it's very interesting what happens when we do it. So number three. We notice how you can become aware of the commonality of feelings you share with countless others not there at this moment. And again, I'm going to go back to the parenting one, is that in that moment of both joy and sadness, there's a commonality of so many other people have been there and have felt that before. And we just want to begin to locate that commonality 
because what we're doing in that moment is planting the seeds of what Barbara Max Hubbard calls uh, non-local awareness, non-local consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's how you seed that. Uh, and I'll have more to say that, say about that as we get further down on this structure of um, development. Mm -hmm. So number four, we begin to notice how it becomes easier to enter this we space. You know, the visceral settles down. You automatically search out that eye contact because it does deepen the relationship between us. It feels so intimate mm -hmm. to allow connection at that moment. And it begins to create even sacred you can feel in that moment. So it becomes easier. We, get, we begin to notice it. Number five, we begin to initiate this we space with only a look or what I call a kiss with an intention. Uh, last night I kissed Christine goodnight and uh, she said, wow, that one really had intention. <laughs> so it's not just a, you know, a peck. It's not a perfunctory thing. It's embodying that we connection, that deeper space, because now as we go along in this continuum, it's becoming familiar. This first love state experience is becoming really familiar and we begin to invoke it, you know, just with a kiss. And you can see how the skill is really developing now, you know, in my hypothetical scenario here, is that we can feel it. It's just really having a clear guideline of how we do it. So I'm, I'm wondering your reaction. People that are familiar with integral and state experiences and whatnot, do you think this is doable for people that are reasonably stable in their relationship? Oh, yeah. I think so, yeah. But there needs a reasonable confidence between the people. Mm. That if it is a relationship which has the cracks, it, oh. can, it can help, I imagine. But it is more difficult, probably, because these initial states probably are more difficult because when you are already, I, I think back on past relationship, when you are already in sort of breakup, halfway breakup, oh, and then look the other into the eyes, you lose your, <laughs> your illusion of power, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think it must be at least the commitment that we want to stay together, and uh, uh, then I think it can yeah. it can work. There's got to be a significant degree of goodwill. Yeah. You know, they can't be you know in great conflict and, no. and start. I, I imagine no. No. they must they must be as you said before willing both mm -hmm. to do that. Right. There has to be that stability because. I mean, the beauty is that the overexposure shows the potential of connection. It's just that so much goes through the bandwidth that can't handle it. But the exciting part is it isn't that safety and security in all the fantasies and the movies that it's really this level of connection that, remember, it becomes non-local. It, it becomes, you know... The other in the communal experiences we always talk about in integral and the, the potential for love is just enormous and that's why I'm excited about this is to try to have some pathway into this is what I'm finding. 
So if I can move on, make mm -hmm. sure I find this one. This one, number six. Notice how these feelings are neither temporally, that's time, or geographically, location, limited. They're always accessible. So neither temporally or geographically limited. So what do we mean by this? Is when you can begin to invoke this easily, it doesn't even require your spouse to be there. It's like the memory of it becomes so persistent, you begin to enter that space alone. And it's not just in intimate couples. It's also in, like when I visit the great cathedrals in Europe, and this is metaphysical, of course, and the part of me is trained as scientific training, always goes construct validity, construct validity, <laughs> proof. But I understand that, of course, to get a little integral here, I understand that tension between modernism and postmodernism is integral, maintaining both. When I'm in those great cathedrals, you can feel the hundreds of years that people were at their higher self. And I love it. I just open up into it and I bask myself in it and just take it all in. And that's, that's how it persists. That's it not being neither temporally, because obviously some of these cathedrals aren't even used anymore. Some are hundreds and hundreds of years old. And for some reason, some unknown resonance seems to persist. And on the dark side in Rome, being um, in the Colosseum, I remember just the awful feeling in there of, you know, what happened there and, you know, how people, the, the total disregard for humanity and how profane it was that it was just used for entertainment. I just couldn't shake that feeling. So whatever that is, I mean, the scientific part of me wants to find some sort of construct proof of it, but it seems to be true. Have you been in those locations? Sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I was thinking about the power places. We have a, a mountain not far away where for centuries or longer, it has always been a power place in Montecimini here with these huge mountains, with these huge, not mountains, uh, rocks and, and tin places. Oh, I don't know if you call them like this, round mm -hmm. the rocks, uh, organized round. And so you, when you come there and the high uh, trees, that it's sort of, you know, you, you, you sort of feel something. I, I don't know what it is, but it is, is something. And the same. It best is a residue of what has gone before. Yeah. yeah. But even if you don't know it, that yeah. they have passed by always uh, the, 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 the um, people who came from north to south uh, mm -hmm. often had their, their sac sacred places, you know. You, you, you feel that. And in many churches you feel it. And in some churches you feel also that the darkness when there was, you know, some other things going on. And often, even without knowing, you, you, you can feel these things. It's... Uh, yeah. You can see what I'm doing is in couples, I'm tracking the same state experiences. Mm -hmm. And later on, I'm, I'm going to show you a, a grid because I'm changing the language from the common ones to something that shows more of the collective state experience. Because mm -hmm. I'm finding the individual ones, although informative, I want to do some of the nuance. But to, to finish this, if I can 
uh, go on is, so I think we've already alluded to this, number seven. So we already, we noticed how the we space persists even when not in eye contact. Mm -hmm. And then number eight, we notice how the we space persists even not, even when we're not, we're separated. Mm -hmm. So by way of realistic expectation in the box here, when number one and eight are fully developed, one through eight is fully developed, our center of gravity stays at first love. But there's so few couples that can do this. You know, Christine and I find that we can easily, much more easily float up into it and that it persists, but we spend most of our time in the relational level. Mm -hmm. And again, there's no statistics on this and, you know, whether it's normal and what the distribution is, what the potential is, these are all future questions, but at least mapping out some of this in order to ask these questions down the road is realistic. And then in order for people out there practice this, it's more re realistic. Expect times when you float up the first love, as we're saying, from the relational stage rather than pr prematurely expect most of your time to be there. And so just not to develop all the frustrations associated with that. I thought that's useful to say that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, my, my reaction offhand is that the, the, the earlier stages are not gone. They haven't disappeared from our psyches, you know. They, and frankly, there are times when they're appropriate and helpful, you know. They may be stupid as well, but, uh, <laughs> but, the, but, but they persist. It's a, you, you don't transcend if you haven't included, so to speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. At times, they're absolutely functional. Even dropping into the role stage, mm -hmm. uh, usually when we travel, I play the role stage because I, I can get lost in a parking lot. <laughs> Christine leads, and so I do all the supportive things I know. Me too. <laughs> I mean, that's the same with us. Yeah. If I rely on him, I don't know where we end up. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I just don't have those abilities. So Didn't have that trouble before I met her, though, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I wanted to show... This occurred to me about a week ago, and you're going to recognize the similarity mm -hmm. of to the Wilbur Combs lattice, mm -hmm. and it hit me like a brick. I was in the jacuzzi meditating, and it hit me like a brick. The relationship between, on the left, we can see the stages of the development we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And on the top are the state experiences, and just for reference, these are the ones we usually use up here, these five, four, depending upon who you're reading. Mm -hmm. And the ones that I'm calling a little bit more collective state experiences kind of track the individual state experiences, although they do become a little more collective, obviously, when we get to the unit of level. But I found it's really important to try to articulate what the states actually are, because it is the identification of the experience that lays breadcrumbs for people to track it and to try to enter it. 
And so I don't know. I mean, this is very much a piece of work in progress. And so like things like showing up of like collective eyes, even at our integral conferences, I find that we tend to be more collective eyes yeah. than a really authentic we space experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Moments that we really do achieve the we space. Um, uh, I remember Helen Palmer once putting us there at the original What Next conference, and we couldn't get out of it. We were in the that experience for even during the coffee break. We're walking around kind of like in this altered state together <laughs> on it because Helen was just so masterful at creating that moment that you know I, I can still recreate that feeling that she did to us, and she's going. Oh, I love to talk to groups like that. Oh, she- I remember the line. Yes. <laughs> you, remember, you were there, Mark? No, no. We saw, we saw it. Uh, we saw the live transmission <laughs> and we woke up at three o'clock in the morning to listen, to, to, listen yeah. to the afternoon session. And it was, we were sort of present. <laughs> wow, that was such a great experience. Mm-hmm. So the thing I, I really want to emphasize, though, so at times we do uh, get up there, but notice this squiggly line. Mm-hmm. Remember in safety and security, how one of the things I had developed is the pre-trans fallacy. Mm-hmm. Um, other people get to live here all the time is one of those fallacies. And one of the mistaken fantasies that people have is I married the wrong person. Because mm-hmm. when we first fall in love, the state experience spikes. Yeah. No, it might even spike to a, a we state experience, mm-hmm. which is like in the uh, Wobble Combs lattice as an individual experience. The interpretation is I really met this pre trans fallacy person, this soul made experience. Yep. You don't get to live up at the first love and the spiritual love without the work. So what happens is as reality spikes, we drop back into a very egoic state experience where all the disappointment hits. And if you begin to work on your relationship, do the hard work so that all the role stage and the functional aspects happen, then then the state experiences improves. Just getting away from all the battling and the fighting and the stupidity of, of it as, as we search our way through true intimacy really helps. And then today's discussion, how do we migrate higher? How do we actually get into the highest state here and actually do it? But you can see why I'm excited about that is – I never quite understood the relationship between the stages and the couple lines that you're familiar with in my work. And then two weeks ago, it hit me and I'm like, oh my Lord, I see it now. And I don't know if this is going to hold up because it's very much a preliminary piece of work, but does it seem functional to you? Yeah, yeah. absolutely convincing. Yeah. I, 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 it seems kind of obvious when you lay it out that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can follow that zigzag. <laughs> yes, that serpentine nature of the state experience through time for a couple. I mean, that needs to be widely distributed. 
because we can see young couples that aren't ready for any kind of long-term commitment. As soon as they dip down, they abandon it and search for the greater connection. Plus, they have to grow, obviously. Yeah, but I find possible, you mentioned it a little bit, when you are really in this love stage, in, in, in the first stage of um, in, um, falling in love. Uh, I think you might even be able sometimes to hit the we, the we space. Yes. But it will be short term, mm -hmm. maybe only mo moments or days, and then it retracts. I, I remember to really felt it, how these uh, connections go back and less and less and less in myself mm -hmm. and as, as the field altogether. Mm -hmm. Even with us, that happened sometimes, mm -hmm. you know? So that's very clearly perceptible, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the state. <laughs> state. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I'm beginning to language this, is mm -hmm. the serpentine nature between mm -hmm. stages and the state as the relationship unfolds. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping this holds up. That's almost, almost a spiral, you know, seen from the side. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. That, right, is it would be spiral too as we drop up and down in stage location mm -hmm. and state experience. That's very good, Mark. Mm -hmm. I think I'm gonna use that. <laughs> so, okay, I, before I copyright it, just <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> But that's what I need is different people to think into this with me. One of my buddies in San Diego Intro, Larry Kyle, who I'd recommend as for an interview. I mean, he's one of these thinkers that can really think into it with me like that. But that, that's how we evolve this stuff is we, we think into it and experientially and intellectually, we try to meld these poles so that we can lay out a clear path for people as they go along. So, as promised, what I wanted to do, we're going to drop back and before we agree to do this with a couple and talk about some of the preparation mm -hmm. for this. Because I, I really want to start with the directives and the experience, you know, to really get that feeling going, how important this is for couples to do. And I'm really hoping that, you know, it goes beyond the integral people and that somehow it provides a beacon for people to get realistic about it. But this is what I wanted to show. So this is preparation for this exercise mm -hmm. when you're with somebody. Number one, we don't want to polarize the couple dynamics by repeatedly telling them what they're lacking. Because... That that's what the unhealthy aspects of green using this knowledge as a weapon. Mm -hmm. And I understand the frustration because you so want to get in there in the collective. And remember, it's going to be easier for people in the integral community to have a collective experience with some of our colleagues. One of my jokes I tell people that are in the integral community is when I'm at these conferences, I can be at the men's room at a urinal and and I'm exploring the universe with somebody that I felt like I've known all my life. And <laughs> into those communications. But you can see the frustration which set up for the intimate relationship for somebody that perhaps they're with a spouse that isn't there. And, you know, it, as Martin Usyk likes to talk about, if the stages really get dilated, 
And the, the relationship's not going to last. But how do we get people there so that, you know, we don't have to do damage? Yeah. So... Can I, can I ask a question, this chart you have up now? Is it for, for the people inside the couple or is it for facilitators? No, no, no. This is for couples, mostly. Ah, okay. mm -hmm. it, it definitely has uh, application for facilitators. You know, it, it obviously has application for anyone that does couples therapy. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm using some of this. Wait till you see number four. I'm using some of this. And that's what I love about my work. It's so experimental. I buy lots of malpractice <laughs> and then I try to feel into it so it doesn't explode in my face, although mm -hmm. it does occasionally. But what are we going to do? It's not like this territory is all articulated out, but it's what I love about it because I can stay on that creative edge, you know, use the discipline along with that feeling in order to find the territory ahead. So, no, it's by all means for it anyone to utilize okay so if i can go ahead and share three yeah we we want to temper our frustration with there are very few people ready to achieve this level of connection and you know no matter what we're doing like ken's telling us about the backlash here god i wish i was in italy i'll tell you <sighs> Uh, the backlash here of why the rise of the red and blue in America and Britain and whatnot, and thankfully France avoided it. I don't know what Italy's going to do. They're at the pre-stage. It's not. They still have yet. to rise to, to blue. <laughs> but some of us, it, some of it's due to the frustration of the leading edges, you know, mm -hmm. as what we like to say, the mean greens, mm -hmm. and frustrating them. And, you know, it just seems like the conservatives are just thumbing their nose at anything progressive because we do have an obligation to bring people along. So my small way in couples, I'm trying to find ways to bring people along that maybe if they're happy at home, they won't be so angry in real life mm -hmm. uh, and whatnot. But it's a lesson we're going to have to do across the board. Yeah, and I just jump in to say my conviction is war in the world can only be stopped when the war in intimate relationships is stopped. Oh, I like that. <laughs> right, with more peace there, mm -hmm. with deeper levels of love there, then in the sacredness and invokes, mm -hmm. then how can it be the other person, you know, with no name? So I, I, I definitely like that. Yeah, because I'm convinced that when you are happy with other people, you have also learned the skills to be with other people. You have learned to, to negotiate conflicts. And when you can do it as a person, you can also do it as a politician and whatever, you know, or a group leader. So, so number four, and this is the one you're going to be careful with, is let your partner see you in a communal state with another person, with a member of the opposite sex, and then it's be careful. <laughs> sure. yeah. But can you feel the power in that moment mm -hmm. in terms of it? It is breadcrumbs. But again, if they don't have the basis stabilized out and you know, jealously arises easily, 
I find couples with significant jealousy, jealousy is almost a form of paranoia. It's not easy to get rid of. If it's really strong, I find I can't do much with it. it it's like a basis of feeling secure and centered that you either have it or you don't. And it shows up as jealousy. So obviously, that technique wouldn't work with someone. How I use it in therapy, this is where I got that from, is say one member of the dyad is capable of communal experience, is I have a technique that'll enter that space with their spouse. And I think I've only done it about seven times so far. That's how new some of this material is. And one time a husband reacted badly. He was angry because I was communing with his wife. Mm -hmm. But it turned out well. It really made him hungry for that space, which was obviously my intention. Mm -hmm. The other times it's worked out well. Oh, there was one other time where I raised the state experience too quickly on a, a woman. And it almost caused her to decompensate. You know, the overexposure caused decompensation, you know, and she was upset, angry, vulnerable. So I spent the next two or three sessions pacing her back together going, pay attention. You miss that incredibly ahead of time. So it, it can't be for anyone. It's like whoever's in the room, it's important who's in the room. We try to create these deeper state experiences. It doesn't work everywhere. And as we go along, we're inventing it. But you can feel how provocative that fourth one is. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope I don't get sued all over the country. because <laughs> Habib said it was a great technique. Have you ever had reactions to each other being in communal experiences with other people? Not to ask a loaded question. No, I, I don't know if you ever were, were in very intimate relationship with other people, except, you know, when we did some of the courses together. Mm -hmm. And then you have another partner with whom to do the exercise. I had no problem with that, and oh. I don't think you had it. No, I didn't either. I'm thinking so, of uh, dancing with someone else. You know, yeah. Being, oh, being no, I think also, movement. for instance, in Hungary, no and, and, and when we went in a workshop, and there were some more intimate exercises. Yeah. Or, yeah, I, I don't think so. I don't know. Right. It takes a lot of stability. People that want to read about spiritual love, it's in the paper 2016, I believe, Journal of Integral Theory and Practice. Some of what I'm speculating at that stage, fidelity is going to be a question mark because the depth of love, when you get that high, I mean, how can you know something that clear and almost don't love them? Keith Witt made the Keith Witt, a, a lot of folks here might be familiar with him. He's a psychologist, not too far from where I practice. Yeah, we have also yeah, interviewed we, him in the <laughs> series Stop the Relationship. Was serious, we did. <laughs> yeah, he can be pretty blunt. <laughs> but he made a comment with Jeff Salzman once I really liked. And he said, I fall in love with all my patients. Yeah. And, you know, in... Most of us had analytic training, and that's heresy to admit anything like that. You're supposed to have control over your counter-transference, mm -hmm. how I feel about the patient. But that old world is, how can I be so close and empathically connect and not love them? 
Mm-hmm. But you see what I'm saying is when we develop the capacity for spiritual love, it's going to get complicated. But again, concomitantly, I think what will happen is our individual stability develops so much. Like we love our children and we're not jealous of each other in the intimate relationship. And there probably no doubt be rules of the road. The French are all going, grow up, crying out loud. <laughs> well, I'm not so sure collectively some of the permissiveness that, you know, might be a stereotype. I'm not so sure that they're all that great at it anyways, because you don't want to wreck your home base, obviously. I wouldn't want Christine to feel insecure. It's going to get complicated. It's going to develop, that's for sure, down the road. Bigger and better problems as we go up. Yeah. Right. When more complexity comes, more more challenges, as uh, Hegel said down the road, it becomes antithesis as we move along. Yeah. Okay. Should we do another one? Yeah, sure. There's our couple's line. So here's safety and attraction, roles, relational. So remember, most people are here. Mm -hmm. Roles and relational or somewhere in between these. This is a continuum. And notice on the roles, it's a reactive stage. How could it be anything else? It's not the ability to take subject and make it object that happens fully in first love is the relationship is still so reactive because all this energy hasn't found places in which to go either individually or collectively. Mm-hmm. So when this couple reacts, notice what they do. Unfinished developmental issues arise in the present. So they can be working on a couple issue and their individual issues pop up. I'm forever saying to couples when I'm doing parenting, I don't want to hear your individual issues pop up or your marital issues pop up when we're parenting because we don't get anything done. Everything just spirals down into all the issues going on at once. Plus, I want them aware of that is that some of the emotional discipline is not being reactive to everything that flows through our cognitions at every second. It's what we say. It's centering out and being mindful of how we show up in every moment. As we're saying, in intimacy, you want to find out how disciplined you are, go into the intimate relationship. So this couple tends to be incredibly reactive. Another big one, They confuse merger with communion. So merger anxiety is what the psychoanalytic literature talks about. When the opportunity to connect, the merger anxiety goes through the roof because there isn't enough sense of self. Remember, you have to have an ego before you can work to get rid of your egoic functions because otherwise all you are is just reactive ball of plasma. I think the word that Wilbur uses for that, you know, in terms of it, but that happens an awful lot is 
if you're not fully separated, if you don't have your own place in life, your own familiarity with your own state experiences, then the merger pops up immediately. So whereas us folks will commune with anyone, that's the beauty I love with the integral community. I mean, how can you not? You know, I can feel everyone smiling from within at me across the divide. And how can you make it not? I mean, it's so fun to do this. Mm -hmm. I spend so much of my time alone. I, I'll commune with anyone for crying out loud. <laughs> but, but not these couples that are lower stage and whatnot. But do you see what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to really understand where it breaks down because it, it lays down a directive for people what you got to do to lay in there in order to do it. And I needed that couple's line to order all of it. So before integral, I understood the complexity, but I had no slots for all of it. And certainly on as a developmental trajectory. And it was very, very confusing. And then when I worked in the lower left, which is the communal for people aren't familiar, and then on the lower right, I never understood the amalgamation between those. Look like you're going to say something, Mark. Yeah. What is the amalgamation? Stick, stick with that a minute. Well, I mean, in the lower left, we have cultural expectations of what intimacy looks like. Yeah. And I'm even contributing to them right now. But unless we have that lower right discipline of how are we going to do this level of vulnerability? Mm -hmm. Are we going to take turns? Are we going to manage the regression? You know, have I established a pattern with you where I'm predictable and safe? So that's, that's the structure in which this is expressed. The yeah. structure in which it's expressed. Yeah. So in San Diego Integral, I'm using the focal integral group discussions, and we got, we're structuring that out like crazy as we learn. In intimacy, there's a paper I wrote that's in, I, I have it later, I'll show you. But it's a 2014 paper, and I really detail out the lower right of how we do that. We should do that as a future podcast, in fact, mm -hmm. it, because I've got a lot of work done there of how you take turns and handle the regression and give and take, because we really become aware of the need for the lower right in the simple fact of, and you've heard me say this before, when police officers, one of the most dangerous things police officers walk into is what? <laughs> Domestic <laughs> violence scenes, yeah. Right. Disputes. Because the regression into those area, lower areas of wounds, Havel Hendricks called them wounds. So if he feels unheard and injured at a very developmental, fundamental level, and he's full of rage, and an unsympathetic police officer walks into it, in the form of an authority figure, we've got all the ingredients of something very ugly going on. Mm -hmm. And that's why is that regression, and I've really taken that word regression, and there's some, a lot of the things like Jung used the word, regression's not always pathological. And I know I'm getting into the weeds here. So mm -hmm. I don't like theory people appreciate it though. It can be in what Freud calls service of the ego. Yeah. So, when Mark really regresses into his lower selves and you take care of him, Heidi, it really does give him the resources so that he can suck it in and deal with the real world as it is. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can do a podcast on that because I've got a lot of good stuff on that. I think people would find very useful.
Yeah, very nuts and boltsy. Yeah, lower right tends to be, but then again, that's where we learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. So we just made a reference to this. Is the wound is the most common entry point for intimacy? Mm-hmm. Look at what I'm saying there. The wound is the most common intimacy. But what a terrible entry point. Yeah, but it creates the sort of a connection. Or I, I remember one of my relationships that was really connection point because I thought I can help, you know, when I listen and hear the other person talking about their wounds. And so it didn't work out, but it is easy to, to talk about the wounds and go into even reciprocally, you no know, friends, yeah. often friendships, women, friendships often are created on, on the wounds. Mm-hmm. They are talking about, ah, this husband has done blah, 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 and mine had done blah, 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 you know, and so they create it, the connection. It can be a trap, too. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. But it, it makes completely sense that this is a very easy point to create a sort of connection. Maybe not the best one, but a sort of connection, yeah. Why? It really is. Remember, this couple doesn't have the discipline of the relational stage yet down. And that's why it turns in to chaos. Mm -hmm. Because I almost get the sense that if they fight and they're both exhausted and they're participating, there's a level of reassurance they get out of it. And there are couples fought at, I mean, stuck at, if they don't fight, they don't have any intimacy. And then one of the common things we hear is some of those couples have great makeup sex, but geez, I don't want to have to go through all that to get there. (laughs) I'm so grateful for Christine that she's got great relational skills. If I screw up, I know I'm going to hear it at some point in the future. I'm so grateful for the stability. I have energy for other things. Mm-hmm. I knew a couple like this, and they were both academics, and you would think they are a little bit more smart or something. And we always said, why are they together when they only fight? But, you know, we are now, I, I draw a line to, to what is happening now here in Italy. There were many, many, many fires led by people, because it's very obvious at the same time. So people, if they cannot get attention in a positive way, they can get attention in a negative way. And I think this is with couples the same thing. So if we don't love each other, at least we fight. So at least we we know that we are here, you know. We see that on the internet, on the chat boards all the time. People that are, are starved for connection, And perhaps in their developmental history, they got a lot of negative, angry attention from their parents. That is their mode of connection, Mm -hmm. you know, which is kind of sad, but how it changes the tone. You remember in Hungary when Thomas Hubel said that pluralism and love are higher state experiences that have only a few hundred years of developmental history, whereas fear and self-protection have been around for Hundreds of thousands of years. Before we, is, before we were human, it was around. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But it's so much easier to create that state experience. Mm-hmm. And Hubel went on to say, if leadership doesn't represent the higher states, then fear and self-protection will take over. 
Yeah. And we see that over and over again. We're seeing politicians exploit that to create very low stage unity. It's a mess. Yeah. And so if I can move on on this. So why don't I move up to first love to provide the contrast with the reactive role stage. And well, remember in the relational stage where they're structuring out their relationship and everything. Mm-hmm. So remember, regression done well. And here's that article, Journal Integral Therapy and Practice. And that's what I'm suggesting as a topic in 2014. It's all laid out there in terms of how do we create that container in the relationship that handles that well. Mm-hmm. This couple, they can get into a fight. They spat well. They quickly recover. They don't spend days on trying to make a point. You can compartmentalize ruptures. That is so important. So even though Heidi might have been irritable this morning, you move on. Everything doesn't need to be talked about. If it does need to be talked about, you decide when you're going to talk about it, not before bedtime, not before you're visiting relatives, <laughs> not before you go out to eat. You know, stay home, eat TV dinners if they're going to fight. Give and take works, problem solving works. So when you have that basis, now we can venture into the unity experience. Mm. Feel it. Because, so look it up here. We expect shadow and unconscious to arrive, either my partner or me. And we're automatically, we're not blown away by it. We're beginning to go, whoa, I didn't even see that. Say more. Mm-hmm. I don't have to put it in context at this level. I'm expecting it. This is the developmental edge. This is the messy process, Salzman likes to say, of evolution. Mm-hmm. It, certainly, it's going to show up in intimacy. The transparency doesn't bother us here. We're used to it. In fact, we relish it. We're commune junkies. Commun- uh, we want to connect. We accept there's going to be ruptures in connection. And the most we do is roll our eyes and move on. (laughs) I always tell people, don't get caught rolling your eyes. Because you're going to. People are going to drop right back into, uh, you know, roll and lower state experiences. I do. I get irritable. That's what I love about my wife. She just moves on. She does something sweet. Tom, is there anything I can do? And she's signaling me. We'll get through. And then I can I can move on. And when she does, I do the same thing. And, you know, what are you going to do? It's part of living together and, you know, rather than spend all our time there. We sort of do that too, yeah. don't we? That's why you guys flirt with first love. <laughs> <laughs> experimenting with you. Okay. Um, I want to jump down to this one. We're open to the ownership of projection. That's how we keep the table between us clean. And the way we do that ownership, open to ownership, is we're humbled by the fact, and you've heard me say this before, in the very best relationships, the rate of projection is 50%. Everyone else approaches 100% projection. They're not really seeing the other. No. Projecting so my they, own. 
Mm-hmm. To you. The approach that. So the idea of ownership of the projection means you say to the spouse, when you do this, it makes me feel this. Are you doing it because of this or is there another reason? Is it me, mm-hmm. my projection of your reason, or is it you? Am I reading you correctly? That's what we do. Yep. Maybe yeah. I, at least me at the beginning, I did it all the time. And mm-hmm. you begin to do that too, because mm-hmm. he was not familiar with this sort of procedure which I had learned by coaching and counseling and so on and, and looking into the patterns and into that. So I, I got it relatively clear. And so when we met, I don't know if I have told that already to you, he came with his things, you know, with his manipulation things. And I said, hmm, what are you doing? Are you aware what you are doing? You know, and then he had the choice. And at the beginning, you did it. <laughs> and then he said, oh, stop. Uh, okay, tell me more. And then I could tell him what was happening. And I think this is the fundament of our relationship, that we both can say, stop a moment and what is happening here, really? And then we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. And you then, you have realized how you were used to that, how yeah. you couldn't see it before, and now you can see it in yourself, in other people, and, you know, but first you need to have the somebody who it's is It's more opening. fun to see it in other people. Yeah, sure, it's more fun to see it in other people. But you need somebody first to open your eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this case, it was me and not a therapist, but it is very, 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 very useful. And he's beginning to do it with me too. And I'm very grateful for that because he's more on the agreeable side and not uh, touching the things, you know. So you, in my opinion, can be a little more into that, you know. You would like more of that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it helps so much. It cleans the table between us so much because it it isn't just slapped on the table, an object of focus all the time. That's the subject of focus all the time. And remember, this isn't first love. What, What potentially a shadow arises and what potentially ends up being a source of distortion that's going to get projected, as we become more disciplined, as these lower right skills build, see, you just articulate a lower right skill, Heidi, mm-hmm. then what is potentially a shadow and distortion becomes the very subtle energies later on that we're able to read deeper and deeper into things. Mm-hmm. See, we're just confused on the location. We're feeling into things we're projecting it at that stage. Whereas when you get to the spiritual stage of love, they're well aware of that screen in front of them. Mm-hmm. And they're the cosmic Taurus. Mm-hmm. They're going, whoa, did you see that? Yeah, I saw it too. Where's the location? <laughs> and they're humming now. Because all these lower right structures are there. Whereas those of us are just flirting at this second tier first love we got to slow down because all the feelings there, right, that challenges our ability, well, was this me or you? Because I'm wounded at that moment oftentimes, mm-hmm. and I feel mm-hmm. exposed. Yeah. And 
it's not all stable enough where I can use my thinking and feeling together. So it's kind of interesting watching that. So look at how we're talking about that right now. Now, you two are talking to each other, so you have a little more exposure than me. Mm -hmm. But me talking to you about it and talking to Christine adds an element of intensity that's totally different because it becomes a more state experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, To try to think through all that energy becomes quite the challenge. Do you like the direction this work is headed? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about doing this. Is mm. This is what I'm getting ready for, the Inter-European Conference. Mm. I mean, it's coming through to me nice and clear as I do this. And there's so much more to do here, I'm realizing. And as I see that couple lattice unfold, it's really helped me understand the dynamic interplay that needs to go on and then to structure in all those lower right things so that it's actually accessible to couples Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can create an online course on, or normal course on uh, developing these skills because I think it is really important, especially because green people and integral, integral people, mm-hmm. uh, we are not so much into rules, you know, and not so much into, into structures. Mm-hmm. We really need to, to have some extra lesson, let's say, in that report. A little touch of blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So does this feel like a good place to wrap up? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So maybe in the future we can do a little more lower right work because Mm -hmm. that seems to have some energy in it. Mm -hmm. And we can stay aware of, you know, how much we want these state experiences. I'd be very curious if anyone wants to reach me. Can I give my email? (laughs) My email is easy. It's my name, Dr. Tom Habib. So no period after D at gmail.com and i would love feedback on this because this is very much an evolutionary thing for me i'm sure by the time budapest comes along and i highly recommend people attend the conference there i know the three of us will be there and there's going to be all kinds of luminaries there and whatnot Mm -hmm. but by the time i get there uh, i hope to have this either further fleshed out and do more experiential experiences with this and Mm -hmm. uh, good Yeah, so thank you very much. It was highly interesting. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) The time has flown. Yes. (laughs) And it's really something which Mm -hmm. I'm personally very much interested Mm -hmm. because I have participated and analyzed afterwards all the relationships I had, and I find a lot of that described in what you are saying. Mm -hmm. And I completely agree with that also yeah. in the in the in the developmental line so really thank you and yeah for you well i i two, two things one is i may not like it at the moment but i always benefit from uh, this kind of work mm-hmm. and two it's also intellectually stimulating to me and that's a that's a plus also yeah. so it's yeah. good mm-hmm. thank you for listening to this podcast If you want to watch our conversations on video, please go to our YouTube channel, which is called The Wisdom Factory, or watch the videos in the video archive of our website, www.thewisdomfactory.net. Thank you.